Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of 1 Kings. If you were here last week, I uh, mentioned that I was going to try to go through uh, the ministry or, or at least part of the ministry of, of Elijah. And my purpose in doing that was all to revolve around the idea of God's people needing to uh, take a stand for truth and for what they believe in, for things that are holy and upright. And uh, I, I don't want to go through the entire last sermon. Uh, you can find that on the web, church's website. I think it's titled Taking a Stand, but it's going to be multiple sermons um, to, to get to the end of this. Uh, but one of the things I did want to briefly mention that we talked about last time as Brother Tim mentioned this morning, that uh, the world is, is in uh, a very bad place. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we've seen uh, these things that, that we're dealing with in today's time. They've been around for a long, long time, but they seem to be more present in our society than maybe what we are used to. Certainly, you go back to, you know, some of the decades that, uh, that y'all, some of the older ones have lived through. Even when I was a child, we're just seeing things that we didn't see back then. And it seems to be developing rapidly uh, there's always something new coming along to uh, sort of be uh, antagonistic to the things uh, of God. Uh, I can remember Brother Tim saying one time several years ago that, um, you know, things that are considered uh, acceptable behavior now, uh, not too many years ago in the dictionaries of the psychologists were considered deviant. And he made a statement that he said, uh, the time is coming when you will see uh, relationships, human being relationships, you know, people will be marrying their animals and having uh, relationships with their animals. And I thought, you know, that's, that's true. That there's not a whole lot left that we can check off of how far depravity can, uh, can go uh, besides that, right? We, we're seeing all kinds of things in our society. And I tried to make the point last time that a Christian, uh, their position on certain topics uh, cannot be a position of just kind of sitting on the fence. You have to make a decision. Am I going to go the way of the world or am I going to stand for the things of God? And we see in our society that the times that we, uh, uh, we take a stand against the things that the Bible and the Lord tells us are wicked and evil, the times that we do that, um, sometimes we're put in positions that can be a little unsettling to our flesh. Maybe a, a little more attention is drawn to us and people begin to throw stones at us. People begin to try to tear down our businesses or tear down our lives or slander us. Or, uh, so it, it can be a little unsettling for the child of God. And the more I thought about that, you know, the issues we've got today, you know, we, we've gone through the issues of homosexuality. We've got the in issues of transgender uh, you know, on, on the forefront, you know, we've got situations where biological men are able to compete in women's sports. And it's just, I mean, we could not be any more uh, messed up than we are, it seems like. You know, behaviors that were unthinkable, unthinkable 50 years ago now are being crammed down our throats and we're being forced to either celebrate it or pay a price. And so it's important that we understand as children of God how the Lord equips us to take a stand because that time is not coming. That time is now. Now, that does not mean that you go into the streets with pitchforks and torches. There's a right way to do that, and there's a wrong way to do that. But I wanted to look specifically at the life of Elijah and look at how the Lord prepared him to take a stand because he 
many people in the Bible took a great stand, but to me, he is the one that stands out the most personally when he took a stand against King Ahab. Now, if you remember the, the kind of the take home from last time that we talked last Sunday was in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter in verse, verse 1, um, Elijah comes to King Ahab and he says, as the Lord stand, as the Lord of God, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the point that I tried to make was it is a small thing to stand before the kings of this world on behalf of the Lord when you have spent your days standing in the presence of the Lord. Okay. And so that was the main point I wanted to make. And the other take home from that was we, we looked at the uh, Queen Esther and how her cousin Mordecai talked to her and Esther. I don't have time to go through it all, but Esther went before the king whom she was married to uh, on behalf of the Jewish people because he had written a decree to have all of them killed. She went before him without permission, which could have cost her, cost her her life. She went before him on behalf of, of God's people to help deliver them. And Mordecai says this to her, and I'm paraphrasing. How do you know, Esther? This is before she goes in front of the king and risks her life. He says to her, how do you know that God has not providentially worked these things to put you in the place that you are at as, as the queen of this king? How do you know he hasn't providentially worked that for such a time as this, as such a time when he has signed a decree against, against God's people for mass murder, how do you know that God hadn't brought you to this point to do something great on the Lord's behalf? Now, that's what I want you to take home from the first sermon, is that if you find yourself getting bottlenecked down and pushed into a corner to where you are going to have to take a stand, I want you to think to yourself, what if God has providentially worked the events and the things that have happened to get me to this point for such a time as this? So that on behalf of the Lord, I can stand and glorify Him and maybe, like Esther, bring a great deliverance for God's people. If he can do it with Esther, he can do it with any of us. So when you find yourself having to take a stand, if you're maybe maybe if you're sitting somewhere one day, you're sitting in a college class and they're they're just uh, belittling the Lord and they're mocking the Lord and they're saying everything about the scriptures is false and it's a fairy tale and you're sitting in that seat and you feel the strength come to your knees and to your legs to stand up and say something on behalf of the Lord that is true, to be a witness for Him, you may think to yourself, I remember that guy telling me from the pulpit that maybe the strength that I'm feeling to stand up here in front of all these people, how do I know that I've not been brought to this time for such a time as this? Remember that, and I think you'll find courage in that. If you're standing before the Lord on a daily basis... It'll be a small thing to stand before the, the kings of men. Now, I want to look at the next few verses here. <clears throat> in verses, I want to read verses 2 through 7 here in just a second. Let me go ahead and read them to you. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This is Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, 
and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land." So the title of this sermon, even though it's a series here, the title of my sermon today is Remember the Ravens. Now, I've already told you, we are are leading up to, as we look at this ministry of Elijah, we are leading up to what I consider one of the greatest stands that anybody in the Bible ever took. But what I want to look at before then is how the Lord prepared Elijah to make that stand. And some things that he taught Elijah that he would need when he took that stand. He didn't always remember them. As a matter of fact, we'll look shortly after the stand. Did you know that Elijah became suicidal? One of the greatest stands recorded in the scriptures. And shortly after that, he's fearful, he's running, and he's suicidal. All right, so let's, let's look. He has the same flesh that we have. He's going to struggle. It's not just about the stand. It's about how the Lord dealt with him before the stand, during the stand, and after the stand. So I want to look here. Remember the ravens. Now, one of the things that we like to do is people, or at least I do, don't you like to know the cost of something before you buy it? I do. You know, I don't want to walk into a store. You, You know, you walk in there and you... Uh, I'll, maybe I'll go in academy. I'll be like, hey, look at this thing. This is pretty neat. I wouldn't mind having one of these. And you look all over and you can't find a price on it. You can't find any other ones that are there with a price on it. And you just, I don't know, this might be $100. It might be $20. It might be $500. But I'm sure not going to go check out and, and, and scan it and hand the lady my credit card unless I know how much it costs. We want to know how much something costs before we pay for it. But when it comes to taking a stand, you won't know the cost of taking a stand until after you've taken the stand. Are you with me? What I mean by that is God has commanded us to walk by faith. God does not come to us and say, okay, you're fixing to take a stand for me. It's going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you your financial status. It's going to cost you all these things. We don't know that. We do not know what the backlash, the repercussions, and what it's going to cost us when we take a stand for the Lord. And he tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. All right, so Elijah has gone before King Ahab. And the Bible tells us, I think in the book book of Hebrews, that Elijah prayed that it would not rain for the span of three and a half years. So when Elijah goes to Ahab, he says, hey, listen, According to my word, it is not going to rain for three and a half years. Now, you'll see later in another sermon that Ahab does not attribute this drought to the Lord. Uh, uh, Ahab attributes this drought to Elijah. He says, look, three and a half years is a long time without rain. What was it, three, four, five years ago, we had maybe, maybe three months without rain? And it was terrible. Three and a half years with no rain. Now, don't you think if you're the king and you're in charge, that makes you a little grumpy when you think there's this weirdo out here who, who serves a God you don't even believe in and you think he's responsible for it? Don't you think that would make you a little irritated? And we'll see later that Ahab and Jezebel, they would be quick 
as, as the Alice in Wonderland cartoon to say off with his head. You mess with us, you, you do something to disrupt our kingdom, we're going to kill you. So the Lord says, get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Elijah has no idea. I don't know that Elijah knows up to this point that he's fixing. Maybe Elijah thinks, whoo, I took a big stand in front of Ahab. I walked up in front of him and I said, all right, it's not going to rain for three and a half years according to my word. And, and, he, and he leaves and he goes and the Lord hides him. And he's, man, I took a big old stand right there. Maybe Elijah has no idea the stand that he's going to be taking in the coming months and years. So Elijah goes before the kings of men with courage because he spent a life in the presence of the Lord. He angers the king. It sounds to me like the king puts a death warrant on his head. And, I, and another sermon will tell you why I think that. And so Elijah, after his first stand, Elijah's got to go hide. So what's the cost of taking a stand, Elijah? Well, if nothing else, I've got to go hide. And that's no fun. I don't want to go uh, spend time out in the wilderness and to hide. <clears throat> but he didn't know what the cost was going to be. But I want you to notice what it says here. <clears throat> he says, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have noticed this. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, this is what I, one of the things I want you to take out of this today. Do you know what a raven was to a Jewish man? It was a nasty, unclean waiter. Have y'all ever had a waiter or a waitress serve you at a table and you're like, mm, you know? <laughs> Have you ever sat in McDonald's or Burger King, kind of looked in the back to see who was getting your hamburger ready? Yeah, you have. Look, I... We, there's, there's a place we go eat sometimes and he's not there anymore and God bless him. I, I really think he was doing the best he could. But this guy was the sweatiest person I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he was. And he would just come to your table and, you, and, and he smelled like somebody had been sweating and he was sweating. And he'd be handing your food out and I was like, I don't want, I don't want to be served by this guy. What do you think when, when the Lord told Elijah, you remember way back in the law when I gave this to y'all and I said that a raven was a nasty, unclean animal? I'm not sending you the majestic line. I'm not sending you the cherubs and the angels to come down here and feed you. But now he would, but not on this occasion. I'm sending you something I've already called unclean. Maybe in a sermon for another day would be how to compare these ravens to Peter and Cornelius. You Bible readers know what I'm talking about. Peter thought Cornelius was an unclean, nasty thing. He said, I will not even go eat with them because it's unlawful. God's providence knows no bounds. God's providence has no limits. And if God on behalf of his people who have taken a stand wants to send a raven to you to feed and sustain you, God can do that. God has no limits to that. This is what I want from this too. If you take a stand for the Lord, you'll probably be like me and try to figure out, all right, before I do this, what is this going to cost me? Who is going to be on my side? Who is going to help me? Who's going to sustain me? God can use the most unlikely people. 
that you might even consider unclean and grotesque in those moments of taking a stand to sustain you. He can command anything, anywhere to sustain you in the times that you feel like you're probably alone. Because that's Elijah's main problem and it haunts him from start to finish. Is that he thought he was alone and he was the only one. God is preparing Elijah to stand for him in a much greater way than just going to the king and saying it's not going to rain. Now, I dare say that what God wanted Elijah to remember from this account is I want you to remember the ravens, Elijah. I want you to remember when you go and stand before King Ahab and 850 of his prophets and you are the only one standing for me and you're looking at Ahab and all of this almost a thousand people against you. Don't forget I can raise up whatever I want to and command them to be with you and sustain you. Remember the ravens. Now, I also want you, I think one of the lessons that God wanted Elijah to know and for us to learn and understand is that God has a way of not only hiding, but providing. All right, this, this king, this kingdom of Ahab, don't you know he had soldiers all over the place to try to go and find Elijah? As a matter of fact, as we look at this further, Elijah runs into a man, Obadiah, and Obadiah says, if I, if I don't go tell the king where you are and bring you to him, he's going to kill me because he's been looking for you. So you know they were looking for him. But God has a way of hiding his people When they take a stand for him, God has a way of providentially providing and strengthening them, even if it's in the most unlikely way that we would never expect. Now, last minute here. It's also interesting that it says this, the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. But notice this. Now we're in a drought. Three and a half years. We're not going to be raining. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Don't think that taking a stand for the Lord is going to come without difficulties. But I want to leave you with that verse. It came to pass that the brook dried up for Elijah. He probably, after a while, he probably felt pretty sharp. Hey, ravens are bringing me food. I've got this brook to drink out of. Taking a stand for God wasn't near as bad as I thought it would be. And then all of a sudden the brook dries up. All right. So Elijah learned lesson number one. You stand before God, it's a lot easier to stand before men. Lesson number two is that God can hide you and provide you in ways that you can never imagine. But then the brook dries up, which is nothing more than setting Elijah up For lesson number three. Which is something we'll get to next time. And all of these things Elijah is learning. He is packing his toolbox. He is packing his mental state and his mindset. For when he stands before 850 of Ahab's prophets. God is preparing him. Now the question is. Are you preparing today? Are you standing in front of the Lord today? 
so it'll be a small thing when you're called to the doorsteps of the kings of this world? If you're called to the doorstep of the kings of this world, can you remember the ravens? Or are you going to cower down and say, since I don't know the cost of what this is going to be, I'm not going to do it. When it comes to that point, don't worry about the cost. Just remember the ravens. Faithfully serve and follow the Lord and trust that he can provide for his people and he can hide his people when necessary. I hope that that's been profitable. I encourage you to go back this week. Listen to the first sermon. I want you to go back and listen to this sermon, not because it's been a great, wonderful sermon, but because it will continue to lay the groundwork for some wonderful things the Lord continues to show Elijah. I hope that that's been profitable for you. And please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.